0: Hi, everyone. It's Peter Bassler with ESEC Lending, coming to you from Westport, Connecticut. It's been a long time since I've gotten my colleagues, Brooke Gilman and Jim Baroni together for a podcast. So great to be back. We're going to talk about corporate bonds today. So look forward to that. But first, uh, just let's check in with people. Brooke, what's going on up in Burlington?
1: Yeah. So first off, I don't feel like it's been a long time. It's been a couple of weeks. It's just been a busy couple of weeks, maybe. So uh, you know, but we'll we'll commit to trying to uh do this more frequently. I blame Jim, Frank personally, but um but yeah, things are good. Cancel um, this.
0: Jim did cancel this for the record, probably about six or seven times.
1: Well, he's busy. We've been uh running some auctions and he's Mr. Auction Man, so you know he's Once important.
2: With you guys is fine. <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, yeah, no, things are good up in Burlington. Uh, Weather is, uh, you know, improving, feeling summer-like again. We had a bit of a cold spell the past week or so, but I don't know. uh, Summer's almost here in terms of school's out, but that's such a weird thing these days because, of course, it feels like school's been out for the past three months, even though arguably children are still supposed to be learning. But um, I don't know. So I would normally say that going to get louder around here but it's kind of been loud the past few months so we'll see I'm excited though I love summer it's my favorite favorite season and the reason why I live where I do
0: it's 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 easy to love summer when you live on a lake just say. yes
1: yes fair enough fair enough it's water how about, how about, it's water ski season that's that's what I'm looking forward to there you go
0: how about you Jim I uh know you uh you presented at our board this morning and and crushed it and uh, we have a new nickname for you after your Tesla um, story. We're going to call you Model J. I thought that was a good analogy, but we got a new nickname. So been
2: called a lot worse, Peter. I will take Model J.
1: You just got to <laughs> plug him in, and then he
0: goes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did think that was a good
0: analogy, by the way. All kidding aside, but what's what's going on in Dartmouth? Uh,
2: we. I've been busy. We're busy here, just like Brooke, though. Windows are open. Doors are open. Summer's coming, so it's, uh, it's nice. We Down here, we get a lot of fog in the spring uh, because of the temperature difference between the water and on land. So many times where I'm at, it's foggy and miserable and damp. And then 15 minutes inland, it's, um, it's much nicer. So give it another couple of weeks, maybe by the time our, our next podcast happens, and I'll be much happier camper and into summer mode. All right great
0: well let's dive in I know I know the topic today is corporate bonds which I think is a, a great topic I know you know the investment grade sector is quite different than the high yield sector as far as demand and profitability and I always found it interesting that corporate bonds trade more like equities so they're often separated from you know US treasury lending so I don't know maybe Jim, you have any comments just generally on what's what's happening in the corporate bond market before uh, Brooke and I start firing more questions. specific questions?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's active. I was looking at corporate bond return to lendable and it doesn't seem, it looks like it's drifted for most of 2020, which I need to dig further because that uh, perplexes me a tad. We are doing quite a bit of uh, GC, so investment grade for one, as as far as I can tell is, is dead space. The government's in there supporting government bonds. So I don't think it's, um, likely a target, um, for the shorts, but in the high yield space where you have a lot of, um, energy companies issuing debt, um, and a handful of, um, bankruptcies, whether it's, it's retail or otherwise, uh, telephone companies. So that creates opportunity for, uh, our counterparts and their clients. So uh, it's active, um, you know, corporate bonds never get that expensive. There's always another place on the cap structure to short. So, um, and you have to pay the coupon as well, assuming it's performing that bond. So it, it isn't like equities, but it does trade a lot like equities, They're DTC products. So um, everywhere I've ever been, we've always traded corporate bonds just like equities off the desk. And then the crummier, the corporate bond, the more like an equity it trades. Um, so we've been active. Yeah. Yeah. Question
1: though, so I was going to ask the typical rate sort of at the high end that you might see in the equity space versus corporate bonds when something is extremely special. Can you give like a comparative relative basis? So if, you know, an equity trading special could trade upwards of X, you mm-hmm. know, what might you see uh, corporate bond specials? Just given your comment there on how, you know, they're, they're not going to be um, as expensive to, to borrow
2: generally. Yeah, so uh, start with GC and go down to the hard to borrows. In the GC space, corporate bonds trade anywhere from OBFR minus 15 to OBFR flattish, um, maybe plus a little bit for some IG bonds. But for the most part, that's where the market trades them, whereas equities today still remain north of OBFR or OBFR minus just a little bit if you're looking at true intrinsic value of lending that GC. A special corporate bond will be four or five six hundred basis points of lending fee um, so if you you couple that with a, a six seven eight percent coupon on the short side, it gets kind of expensive but um, from a lender standpoint you you can make you know six seven eight hundred basis points and equities as you know can get into a uh, ten thousand you know negative one hundred rebate rate for uh, short periods when um, when there's a, a big dislocation between supply and demand in the market so um vastly different in corporate bonds as most who either listening to this or on this call know, corporate bonds come with a lot of hair. Um, they're very difficult to to op um, on their operations side. It's labor intensive. Um, there's a ton of corporate events, whether it's exchanges or the like. And so um, a lot that could be missed. So it comes, you know, smaller spreads, um, similar volumes, but um, bigger headaches.
1: Um, when, and speaking of headaches, so I'm, I'm jumping right in to, uh, to a more detailed question, of course, but in instances, especially in the high yield space where a corporate bond defaults and you have it out on loan, what, um, how different does that look versus if it weren't on loan and in custody? I mean, does it ultimately create a different outcome? It, it, it probably doesn't, correct? Other different
2: than um, for the lender?
1: Lender, for the lender, yeah.
2: No, it really comes down to liquidity. So many times corporate bonds, Hertz is a good example, um, just defaulted and their bonds are quite liquid. And so they trade a little bit when they default, there's no more coupons. So you just really think about it as credit risk. So it trades like the equity. Um, so if, So long as a bond is liquid, I think having it out on loan pre-default, post-default, um, you know, is fine. You have to lock it up when you go through the workout. If there's an exchange, old bonds for new bonds in the default scenario, there's a period where you have to lock that up and and uh, and pass elections to borrowers if it's on loan versus um, just electing yourself uh, or telling your custody to elect it. So there's a difference there. But um, for the most part, for the beneficial owners, there is no difference, I think. And Many times you can, that's where those deeper rates come is bonds that have busted a bit if they're trading down in the 50s and 60 basis points. And so I think really for a corporate bond lending it, um, the the headaches will come when illiquidity comes. And so it's very hard to measure. You look at credit rating initially, you look at the size of the issue, the distribution of the issue, uh, and then how often it trades in the cash market. And then compare that to what's available to borrow uh, and lend in the securities lending market, all that combined gives you a liquidity picture for lending corps. And if that's managed properly, you can minimize those, head- those headaches. It's a two Advil headache as opposed to a four Advil headache.
0: <laughs> and, and Jim, what this is definitely <clears throat> the high yield seg- sector is definitely one of the areas when I talk to clients, there seems to be the most PM sensitivity around lending this asset class mm-hmm. and often see restricted lists, buffers and concerns on lending kind of large positions where they may own a big percent of an issue. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm curious as to, you know, if you're a PM, what kind of things would you think about in kind of tailoring a program around some of those kind of concerns?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's smart. I think if you're, if you're a big buyer and you buy big percentages of a particular issue, because it's not an exchange traded asset, it's, um, by appointment only many times it's, um, over the counter, one of the last over the counter markets, just like securities lending, and so I, I think you do need to um, do a gut check and say what what are my risk tolerances versus the revenue trade off and structure a program around that. I don't think you don't lend them, full stop. I think um, the revenue is certainly worth it, and there's ways to manage the risks of that illiquidity. Um, you know, sometimes if you're if you're owning fifteen or twenty percent of an issue it's worth reviewing and seeing who else owns that. If the other 80% is folks who don't lend, now you're the only lender in that market. And there's ways to identify that. And You wanna get those off loan, I think, because those are the ones that could end up um, putting you in a position under some sort of event or um, if something happens to that company.
1: Um, Going back to what you were talking earlier about just relative um, value difference between equity specials and and some more attractive um, high-yield corporate specials. Um, one question, and this is maybe a, a generic question for people that aren't as familiar with sort of how to think about securities lending and what types of assets are attractive to lend, but is it fair to sort of um, equate equity lending, large cap, versus small cap on a relative value scale similar to investment grade corporates and high yield corporates on a relative value scale? You know, if people were to kind of think about the types of portfolios they have and, and what um, would be more attractive to lend in terms of value proposition?
2: I like that question. Um, I would say the answer is no. Investment grade, from my experience, has very little intrinsic value or lending value, even if it's a levered program and you're paying up to get it out. Whereas equity GC, um, those large caps and even mega caps, there's still a ton of Exxon lent out on the street. There's a ton of that gets borrowed from us. Uh, There's not a whole lot of corporate bonds of those same names out on loan in the market. So um, I would say equity small cap, then high yield, then uh, equity large cap, and then I draw a line and say below that would be investment grade, which is a, acts a little bit different.
1: Okay,
0: Jim, what about what about risk of fails in this market? Because I know you know fails are reality in our space, and I seem to remember that some of the longer term ones have been in this sector, right? Where I feel like equities seem to typically clean themselves up pretty quickly hmm what uh, what's your experience in that
2: space that is hence my my headache comment yes that is the case i mean if uh, long-term fails um happen just because um corporate bonds trade differently than equities off market like uh so it's, it is by appointment sometimes it's almost the same as trading options where there has to be a market um and you can find times where you lend a bond out and whoever's got it has unlent it, and to get it back, they can't find it anywhere. Um, and ultimately, it cleans itself up. The economics, once a PM sold, economics are transferred, so there's no risk there. The only risk is that um, you aggravate a, a counterpart of that PM who's sold too, and he's waiting for it. And sometimes buy-ins work their way back through the market, but um, it's kind of a necessary evil to unlock the value in corporate bonds. You know, you do, there certainly bonds are, I will say this, they, they're not treasuries when you're talking about volume, but you can get volume done in the high yield space. Um, akin to, um, to kind of equity GC volume and sometimes, uh, and for some of our clients that it's even greater. So, um, there is a benefit. Um, you just, they need to be watched and managed very carefully and closely.
1: And what about, um, I was. I'm curious, just if you have a view on sort of broad trend line in terms of relative um, demand, you know, that return to lendable sort of view on um, corporate bonds, and does it relate at all to sort of the interest rate environment, or broadly to corporate issuance um, in the market, or is it is it less um, dependent upon sort of you know factors around interest rates or corporate issuance? Um, just given that investment grade isn't, you know, generally of interest anyway.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, so the first part of your question does, um, how is it, is it impacted by um, interest rates? The cash side is. So corporate bonds are a spread product. So they trade as at a spread over treasuries. So they don't trade by price, they trade by spread. So a six yield and uh, the 10 years at three quarters, that's a 525 basis points. That's where that trades. So if you see big movements in interest rates, um, you're going to see big movements in corporate bonds. And so if somebody has a view on interest rates, they might uh, apply that view through a short position in corporate bonds. Uh, Issuance definitely plays a role. And I think, um, like like I said, I've I've been looking at the return to lendable for that asset class. And I I need to do a little bit more work to really understand why it's flatlined. Whereas uh, over the last three or four weeks, we've seen return to lendables for US equities jump up. Um, certainly heading back towards, n- nor, you know, value, um, levels we had seen three, four five years ago. Okay. But I think that issuance we've seen big issuance in the corporate bond space. And I think that's part of the reason that you're seeing there's more to choose from. Um, you just keep everything really, really cheap. So the return to landable keeps falling. The denominator, the amount of issued keeps growing. I also think with the government in buying government uh, high yield bonds and potentially ETFs, you'd never fight the fed. So anytime, um, Anytime the Fed's in, I think it's a hard short. If you think they're going to kind of—I was going to use the word manipulate, but that's probably not what they're doing—but support corporate bonds, it's not necessarily a good short. So, a lot of factors at play, I'd say.
0: And how- any comment? Sorry, any comment on kind of the big ETFs that hold this asset class, like JNK? Any any comments on those ETFs yeah. specifically?
2: They're um, it's a great hedge against a portfolio of longs that's very difficult to sell in, in a quick crisis so um, we saw HYG and J&K um, they still there's so much issued, there's so much uh, supply so much created of both uh, it's very difficult to get them anywhere off of GC um, but certainly tools that I think will come in and out of vogue in terms of a lender um, lending it out and, and you know lend what's that strategy long and lend so get long and lend it and count on that as some alphas, some some yield for the for the um, for the long it's just uh, there's just so much of it it's um, it's difficult to to make money lending it but it there's always some sort of bid for it so if you do maybe you do it versus cash and you do something with your cash you can certainly count on HYG and J&K being there as on long at some level
1: and how often would you see a scenario or do you ever see scenarios where um, the equity uh, security of a company is trading quite special? And that's also, um, you know, you're also seeing a lot of activity on the bonds or, or do you not really uh, just given, you know, less interest in investment grade bonds and you yeah. know, how, how does that play out?
2: It doesn't really. They trade separate for the most part. And, you know, I'm, I talk only to uh, our counterparts, not the end user, which would be a hedge fund, but I would imagine, um, you know, some bearish hedge fund trades might include a short on an equity and then a a long on the corporate bond, either the sub or the senior as a, as a kind of an arbitrage, uh, a structure arbitrage. So maybe many times you see the equities trade special and the bonds not. Certainly, once you get into distressed and workout situations, everything trades special. Right. Uh, but, but before that point, you know, um, you could Tesla bonds traded a little special and Tesla was all out on loan and uh, at points really wide. Um, but they're not the correlation you would think, Brooke. Great. Thank you. Great.
0: Well, Jim, that's been it's uh, been very insightful appreciate your, your comments on that it's obviously an asset class that, that has value especially in the high yield space but is one that you know requires some customization and some thoughtful approach to it um, and we want to thank uh, Roy Zimmerhansel a little shout out for Roy Zimmerhansel at uh, Pierpoint who, uh, who asked us to cover corporate bonds so that's our first that's our first time someone actually put in a, put in a subject matter for us to cover
1: can we now test whether he's listened to this by seeing if he responds to us at this point? With any feedback? be
0: good. We'll see if he puts a comment on LinkedIn. Okay, we right. We're, we're ready
1: user. for your feedback if you actually hear this.
0: Yeah. We know you're a big user on LinkedIn, so let's, let's see what happens. And anyone else out there have questions about corporate bonds, feel free to reach out. And if you have any new topics for us to cover, we're keen to hear from you. Absolutely. Otherwise, stay safe and until uh, our next podcast. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you.